Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva, here on this Sunday, January the 29th. Of course, you can check out the show all the time with our partner, MetsMarizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet, at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Let me know if there's a place I'm not. Try to get on there, help you out. We want to make this easy. I want to make this easy and affordable. It's free, so it can't get much more affordable than that, and entertain you with uh, great Mets talk, great baseball talk. So anyway, we're with the Super Bowl next week, and just a quick programming note, this will be the the final pre-Super Bowl show. We're going to come back in two weeks, so I always take Super Bowl Sunday off because that's just that's a football day. I mean, as much as I know there's hardcore sport, maybe baseball fans that may not care, uh, it just doesn't seem right doing a baseball podcast on Super Bowl Sunday. So I'll be back in two weeks. Of course, if there's something to talk about, we'll be there. I mean, that's always the case. I'm not sure if there'll be news. Uh, coming down earlier this morning, and uh, as I continue to check while this podcast is being recorded, we'll see if there's any update. But it was Andy Martino of SNY said that the Mets are more amenable to a two-year $12 million deal with uh, Jerry Blevins. And that's a good signing if they could get that done. I really think they need the experienced lefty. I know that 
you hear about uh, the young lefty down in Double A, Rosenblum, and we had it. You know, we talked with Michael Mayer last week of MetsMiners.net about some of the young arms. But the Mets, they're a contending team. They've invested almost 150 million dollars in this roster, maybe more, depending on how these arbitration or the rest of the signings, the floors they have to go to arbitration with, uh, uh, you know, plays out. Why chintz out at the end? You know, that's one of the reasons why the 07, 08, even 06 teams fell short. Just that little bit more of an investment. And I think in this day and age, you look at what quality relievers get. They get five, six million dollars a year. Now, you don't want to go out and send three, four year deals. I get that because then you start to regret those towards the back end. But the market is less if you are an aging veteran with a lot to prove. And, you know, for somebody that really as a finite market, think back to like a Tim Burdak when he was here. You really can't get these guys on on. One-year deals, and Burdick was almost 40 years old, so he was able. You were able to get him for a couple million dollars. That's also five, six, seven years ago. So the market has changed quite a bit. Revenues have changed. So this is a good deal. If I'm the Mets, I mean, three years for Blevins. Personally, if you're a big market team, it's not the end of the world. But I could see with them passing on that, especially if you have Boone Logan out there, and I know Craig Breslow, who I'm not as excited about, has been talked about. But a two-year deal, 12 million dollars, six million per. I, if you follow Jerry Blevins on Twitter at Jerry Blevins, it seems like he really enjoys New York. Uh, I think he, he put, you know tweeted pictures of himself on the subway going out in the town. Uh, why mess around with that? There's a guy that wants to be here, and you know that you know he's somebody that uh, that uh, you know you could you could go out and, and and rely on. He has a proven track record. As far as the right-handed situation, now the guy I don't think they'd be able to sign Blevins and bring in a guy like Sergio Romo, who's had some very good numbers. A closer type numbers, and then had some good numbers last year. The thing that bothers me about Romo uh, specifically is that San Francisco bullpen was so porous at the end of the year, and you got to wonder why is he, you know the, the I know they signed uh, Melanson, so that 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 certainly plays into it. But if you look at the splits here for Romo, you know, here's a guy that you know at the end of the year you would think they would need to throw him in, and I know he got four saves and he used to be the closer. And he was a closer on a championship team, but you look down there in the second half, um, you know, September, especially, you know, he, he, he had some areas where he wasn't really p- pitching all that well. I mean, specifically, if you go in August, uh, you know, he pitched all right. I mean, he has more than a strikeout per inning, pitched well in September, but more than a hit an inning. We, I didn't see him, so I don't know, but all, all you kept hearing is that the Giants had bullpen problems. You want to got to wonder if they're not signing this guy. What's up with that? Personally, I would like Joe Smith. Joe Smith's been here. Joe Smith made five million dollars last year, so I don't know if he's available on a one-year deal and what he would want. And he went to the Cubs, and I don't really think the Cubs used them all that much, from what I see. I mean, they, they it was more of a uh, you know like a sixth, seventh inning guy. And I think, but Joe Smith is a guy that I think could be an eighth inning guy. You can pop in and close a little bit. Maybe that's not where you want him to be. And by all accounts, he's not the extreme righty option that the Mets saw back during his first stint. You know, that was the issue. And the Mets got him when he was right out of college, and I don't really know if he was used all that properly. But if you go back, he had a very good year in 2015 with Anaheim. And I'm looking at the splits here, and, you know, lefties hit him. So you got to keep him away from lefties. He's certainly a guy against righties. But it's not like that he can't get lefties out. And I'm looking at last year. I mean, lefties had an OPS of 786 in 15 last year. You know, it's not bad. He's 220 batting average. He's actually better last year against lefties. So I see him as an option. Certainly somebody that 
can give you a veteran presence. It, perfect world between now and pitchers and catchers. If the Mets go out and sign a, two relievers, and I know that plays into the big topic that you guys are all wondering about, which is Jay Bruce, which was the big story this week. But if they could go out and sign those two guys to some kind of reasonable deal, I think it's a successful offseason, regardless of the fact that they didn't, sign, they didn't trade Bruce. The Bruce situation, that's a little different. I know what you're all going to say. Look at Michael Conforto. Now, I think going down to AAA for Michael Conforto is a waste. I don't know if necessarily he needs the reps every day. He might have to be. Look, some young players have to get by with 300 at-bats sometimes before they become full-time players. That's not ideal. But if you look at the outfield, maybe you can then use him to spell Cespedes a day or two here. You know, he is, you, know, you don't know how real old Cespedes is. I mean, coming from Cuba, it could be anything. Granderson is going to need some time, and center field is a demanding position. So rest assured, Granderson is going to need some time. Now, I don't know if they play Conforto in center field. He was okay. But again, you saw with, with Cespedes, if you start putting a guy in center field covering that ground, there's the quad injuries, there's you know, dings that come into play. I would rather see, if you're going to make him versatile, he can play both corners. He's got a good arm. You know that. So that's left, right, done. I mean, Bruce might. You no, know, Bruce is going to need time off too. I, his first base is in an easy position, but he's a young guy. Can he learn it? Will that add some versatility? I don't know if he can play the position. I think it'd be important for him to at least get reps there. I think if I'm a young player, and this is now, like I said, with the whole stretching the closer, like uh, the old days when they used to go two, three innings, where that's going to become this new fad or bringing the closer in in the sixth inning or seventh inning, which was done by Cleveland. Everybody's a copycat for successful teams. That was the new fad. You might see versatility because Joe Madden did that as the fad with, with teams. But that's not a bad thing. Look, having players that could play effectively multiple positions gives you a lot of options in a National League uh, ballgame. So there's nothing wrong with that. But you don't want to just throw somebody there if they can't, they can't play. Ultimately, yeah, if Bruce is the albatross that prevents the Mets from getting bullpen help, this then becomes a little bit of a more difficult situation. And that will go into our guest today. Our guest today will be Kevin Kernan, who caught up with, well, caught up with David Wright, and we'll get to that. And uh, you know, he's written a couple of really good pieces, a great two-piece uh, feature on David Wright. But he also wrote an interesting perspective on Bruce, which ties into where I said in the opening with the, with the bullpen and the relievers – that now, okay, the, the media really becomes a factor. And if you don't think the media is a factor in playing in New York, follow what's going on with the New York Knicks and find out why. Forget about Phil Jackson. I know this is a baseball show. But a lot of what happens with players not wanting to come here, coming here, not doing well, has to do with the coverage they get. Nobody's expecting the media to give people a pass, although I think they've given some people a pass they like, a la Terry Collins, separate story. But the more that they focus on certain things, specifically with Bruce, he's making $13 million. If they don't go out and they don't sign a couple of relievers, and then they wind up blowing some games early, and Bruce starts out three for 24, you know what's going to happen. This is going to become a huge story. We'll do a podcast on it. Everybody will be calling for Conforto, who if he's sent down, is probably going to hit 350 in Vegas, maybe greater, because you saw how he dominated AAA. I mean, so it's clear that he's too good for that level. And then you're going to have a distraction, and then you're going to have a situation where it's not about baseball and winning. It's about Bruce Conforto and what Bruce's contract and what Bruce created the Mets 
issues in the bullpen with his salary and so on and so forth. You don't want that. So I think the Mets could do themselves a favor by shoring up their bullpen despite some of the young arms that seem intriguing that we talked about last week with the Michael Mayer, the Rosenblums. I know you got Smoker and Edgin and you got Paul Seawold as a, as a righty. Go out and really make an effort to solidify that pen. Give yourself the best possible chance to win this year. I'm sure you can find room on a 40-man roster that's stuffed. I got to think you can find room on there. And, um, you know, that's the direction. I think that'll take some pressure off of Bruce. And Kernan talks about that. Also, Kernan talks about and talks to scouts, but Bruce is not all that bad. I mean, you look at if you're stuck with a guy who hit 30 home runs and drove in 90 runs and was leading the league in RBIs at one point when the Mets acquired him, that's not a bad player to have. Now, I'm not trying to be a Mets apologist, nor am I trying to say here that ideally having Bruce on the roster is where you'd want to be. It is clumsy. Personally, you'd want to have Conforto and right, Cespedes and left, and then some combination. I mean, Granderson to me is a guy that is more of a corner, but with Ligaris as that defensive insurance, you can maybe do six innings, seven innings with Granderson, and then in the latter parts of the game, have Ligaris in there for defense. Of course, the games can be lost with defense earlier, but you do need Granderson's bat. Ligaris is a big drop-off, unless there's some change that I don't know about offensively with him. He's a big drop-off from Granderson. Ligaris has really profiled himself in his career at this point as a fourth outfielder or a starting center fielder with a defensive component on a very strong offensive team. I don't think the Mets have enough offense right now, in my opinion, where they could carry that guy uh, in the lineup. But because of, I don't know what's going to happen with catcher and, and certainly you don't know what's going on at first base with some ifs and, and third base, of course. So, you know, that's a separate situation. But when Kevin will get on, we'll get on Kevin with Kevin in a couple of minutes. We'll talk about Jay Bruce. David Wright, you know, what can David Wright produce? He was very optimistic. David Wright seems to look better, feel better. Terry Collins had this 130-game uh, objective thought process back in the, at the winter meetings. I think it's – look, medically, anybody – and I'm not a, a doctor. I'm not one who studies medicine. I'm not a physician's assistant. None of that stuff. But anybody I talk to that has some ounce who I respect of medical knowledge, basic medical knowledge, or has experienced back problems or herniated disc or the things that – David Wright is going through. I mean, our buddy Chris, the teacher from Mets Marise Online, had you know similar type of back issues, and he's come on here and said, "Look, this is not going to happen." The betting man is saying that David Wright's going to come to spring training, maybe make it through April, maybe make it to 30, 40 games, and that's it. And then you're back to square one where you have this hole. While you're playing those 30, 40 games, you also have the issue where can he throw? Did he cost them a game in a World Series because of that with a throw? Uh, his throws have been bad for years; they're getting worse. He's almost flipping the ball under him. So, you know, that to me is a big question to have for Kevin. Yeah, positive article. He's got a, a daughter now. He's really committed to coming back. David Wright's a great guy. At the end, David Wright's going to go down as one of the, the better Mets in their history. Maybe for some of you, he'll leave you wanting and you'll, you'll have a, that taste in your mouth. But I think when he was healthy and he was on, he was in the right lineup. You know, he was he was fantastic, especially those early years. And now with Cespedes, and too bad he, he didn't have a Cespedes type of component for a few years, you don't have to rely on him. What you're asking David Wright is to be a seventh hitter. He's almost going back to where he was in 2005 when he came into the lineup, when he started in the seven hole, and then they brought in Delgado, Beltran, you know, so on and so forth, and worked his way up because they said, you're young. We don't need you in the middle of the lineup. Just go out there, find yourself, prove yourself, and he did, and he moved up in the lineup and then – the rest is history. So a lot to talk about. We'll talk David Wright. We'll get into Jay Bruce. The news just came out earlier today about the 
the reliever market. Maybe Kevin has a few thoughts on that. A lot to get to. Kevin always is a good guest, always somebody that I like to catch up with. And with spring training coming, he's somebody we're going to lean on because he, he, he's, there's a reason why he's where's Kernan on Twitter. Because you don't know where he is. You just don't know. He might be with David Wright one day, Clint Frazier another day of the Yankees. Uh, Jay Bruce he's talking about. He's catching up with scouts a third day. He's got contacts. He's an experienced sports writer. He's one of the best sports writers in this town. I respect him immensely and uh, love catching up with him. So let's take a quick break. You are listening to the Talking Mets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Of course, you can check out the show with our partner all the time, MetsMarizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia. And get the show anytime on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, any podcasting service you desire. We'll be right back. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now that's Mets m-e-r-i-z-e-d online.com and get mesmerized today we're back and joining me is a uh, new york post columnist uh, also america's most beloved sports writer you can check him out on twitter at where's kernan and it's Kevin Kernan. Uh, Kevin, where is Kernan on this uh, winter January day? Well, I'll be. Um, I'm heading down to Port St. Lucie, so I'll be doing some work there this week and um, starting baseball a little early, which is always good with me. That that's for sure. And you've uh, had a, a bunch of great columns in recent weeks uh, regarding the Mets, and we'll we'll start with the most recent one and. I think if you polled, you know, whether it be baseball people, fans, uh, writers earlier in the off season, not many would say or put money down that on January 29th, Jay Bruce would still be the Met on the Mets roster, much less be right now slated to be a starter. You you did a little bit of a of a different take, a different perspective on Bruce. Everybody lumps him in because of the failed final six weeks to guys like Jeremy Burnett's and and just Jason Bay, which is, is patently unfair. And, and you gave a different perspective that maybe Bruce is not going to be as much of an albatross as everybody thinks. Yeah, I think it's real tough when you join a team at the trade deadline when you're you're kind of culture shocked. He, he didn't, Mike, he didn't want to come to the Mets flat out right from the beginning. He wanted to go to Texas if he were traded. He told the people in Cincinnati, please don't trade him to New York. And, of course, that's where they traded him, but that was the best deal for them was, so that's like... And once he got here, he tried to do too much, and and it wasn't like it's it's much different. I've been there through Jason Bay. I've been there through everybody almost. Jason Bay just couldn't get it together at all. Uh, at least this guy showed some life at the end of the year. And I talked to some people that know him so well over in Cincinnati, and they said the problem is he cares too much, and he was trying to do too much to prove that New York doesn't get to him. And of course, when you do that everything goes wrong and New York gets to you. So I think having a spring training, hanging around, um, 
you know, ground the guys, having some fun, and feeling part of the team and not some interloper, I think it'll make a huge difference. He's always going to be a streaky hitter. He is who he is. He's basically another version of Curtis Granderson. Um, but I think you got to give him this chance. And why trade him when you're not going to get anything back for him? And you're only going to have to give a lot, pay, pay a lot of salary too. So, so from a baseball standpoint, once 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 they miss their once the Mets Mets miss their uh, window, so to speak, of opportunity, uh, they really have no other alternative but to hold on to this guy. Kevin, do you feel that the outfield situation is clumsy? You've got probably Granderson in center, played a decent center at the end of last year, but as he gets older, who knows? You've got Bruce in, in right. You've got Cespedes in left. You've got those two lefties. Lagaris is your backup, and now you've got Conforto in. I mean, look, I understand people getting crazy. I mean, well, you know, Michael Conforto needs to play, but he wouldn't be the first young player to have to maybe earn some playing time. I think sending him down to Vegas is a waste. Um, gives you, though, a little bit of an imbalance with left-handers on the roster, uh, depending which way they go at the end of spring training. Well, unfortunately, you have to get him at bats. That's the worst thing. And they've already messed him up already. We haven't gotten him enough at bats. So I think, uh, you know, I think if this stays the way it is and they don't trade him, then um, I think you'll you'll see him start in Vegas. But I don't, he won't be in Vegas long. And and there's going to be a need. You got old outfielders. They always seem to get hurt. Um, and eventually, they'll, they'll, the log jam will clear. Someone will get traded. And I think you'll see. You'll see, uh, you'll see Michael here at some point. That, that's you, the way I see it. Do, do you think center field is a is a viable option for him? Uh, maybe a first baseman, but make maybe a little bit of versatility. Is that based on what you've seen? Is that something that you would do? Well, I don't know. Uh, center field, I think, is a is a real reach for him because of uh, who he is. But at the same time, at the same time, you know, why not? Why not try to do that? And. Uh, Put him in center field, and and but I, I don't think Granderson is a great center fielder either. So so that's that's my opinion. So yeah, I mean, um, you're it, 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 it got to wait. I think ahead, Mike. The way he said it, young players sometimes have to wait. And I know Scott Boris made his little comment about you know chocolate and he either have a dessert or whatever appetizer in some fashion. But um, you know, I think Conforto's got to wait. It's really that simple. One of the other points you made in the piece is that, uh, you know, a lot of times here in New York, uh, although the, the media shouldn't matter to the players, they should block it out. It does. And the $13 million price tag and the fact that maybe the Mets can't upgrade their bullpen because of that will we'll put a little bit more pressure on Bruce because if he starts out the season two for 20 and, and the Mets don't upgrade the bullpen and now the bullpen blows a game or two, you know what's going to happen. You know what the narrative is going to be. Now, there's some reports that the Mets are now willing to – today it came out earlier to sign Jerry Blevins through two-year contract. Mm-hmm. Smith is out there, Sergio Romo. I'm not sure that they could afford both a, a, a high-priced lefty or, or, and a righty. But, um, you know, I think that's a great point, and I don't see why the Mets shouldn't take a chance on some of those guys. I don't care that they've had bad experience with Frankie Francisco and DJ Carrasco in the past. I mean, those are, those are different players. So uh, I thought that was a great point you made in the piece about Bruce that you wrote. Yeah, exactly. And and as far as Blevins, I wrote something on the bullpen uh, as well this week. And in my mind, you know, I thought they'd, they'd sign Blevins all along. They'll eventually come to an agreement because he's, again, people, and this is what you're getting now more, Mike, in, in this age of sports writing. You're getting uh, writers who don't, not necessarily, uh, you know, they rely so much on stats, they forget about the human element. 
And Jerry Blevins was very happy to be here. If, if the Mets come up a little bit, what's the big deal with a two-year deal? They've had some bad two-year deals with relievers. I mean, that, that happens. Um, but at the same time, is Blevins going to uproot himself now and go to Toronto, you know, or Dodgers for maybe a one-year deal? I, I don't see it. I, I, you know, and I, I felt all along that they would sign Blevins and then and then add another piece somewhere else. Um, it, it, the other thing I want to say, too, is I've been around Sergio Romo a long time. Uh, that's a big mistake right now if they sign that guy um, for, for a number of reasons, including I don't think he's a great attitude guy. I don't think he's – I think he's really slipped – and, um, you know, I, I know, talking to people I know for the Giants for many years, they're very happy that uh, Sergio Romo is no longer a Giant. So I wouldn't put him, I wouldn't put him on the bats. You know, the, the other th- way they could go, and this is always risky, and, uh, you know, I was listening to some of your colleagues talk about it recently as well. Do you, do you go with a Zach Wheeler and maybe a, a Lugo in the bullpen? You got some young, livelier arms down in AAA, a Paul Seawald, uh, you know, uh, Rosenblum, a lefty. That's always risky for a contender. Uh, if the Mets went that route and said, hey, you know, we're not going to spend the money now. We'll, we'll see what these guys have, uh, and we'll go out there in July and get these guys. I mean, how do you feel about that? Because that's always a risky thing for a contending team with a window, so to speak. Super risky. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And uh, they they can't really fool around with, um, you know, with uh, uh, the bullpen because it's close enough, and you're going to have the familiar situation. So you better clean that bullpen up a little bit. And I see that's, and I I think that's what they'll do, and 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 um, they, they, if they if you can't put you can't spend all this money on Cespedes, uh, have a committed player finally for four years, and then mess up the bullpen when you're already starting from the bullpen with a you're starting with the familiar situation, which is not going to be good. We know it's going to be suspended at some point. Um, so so you better you better be very careful here, and that that would be my advice to the Mets. Uh, don't make, don't 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 get so cheap at the end that you blow it because of one little situation when you're already spending 150 million dollars basically. So uh, I, I that's why I felt all along that they would sign. But I put I actually put a call to Blevins last week. He didn't get back to me, but um, um, and that told me something too. That 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 told me that he you know he probably would probably uh, you know probably in some kind of talks with the Mets and that's that's the way I see. And if Levins doesn't come, then you just do another. There's, there's plenty of arms, a way you can fix the bullpen. You just got to be committed to fixing it. And uh, I do think some of the young players, too, Mike, I think you make a good point. I think some of the young players, they got some young arms down there. As for Zach Wheeler, um, I'd be very careful with that. You got to obviously limit his innings because he's still coming back to Tommy John, and he's had a really hard comeback with that. Hopefully I'll see Zach this week and update that situation. Uh, and you can't count on him really. If a guy's been out for two years, it's really, it's really simple. Zach, and Zach knows it. You know, he, he'd much rather be a starter, but at this point, he just wants to pitch, get his act together. And um, but I would, you can't bring. You know, this means then if you put him in there, you can't use him back to back nights. He's never done it before. You're creating a situation. You know, with the Yankees created years ago with Jabba Chamberlain, which they never dug out of the hole, hole for Jabba themselves. And, and that's that's the biggest mistake you can make in my mind. We have Kevin Kernan with us at Where's Kernan on Twitter, New York Post Sports Columnist. And you wrote a great two-piece, uh, I would call it a feature, but uh, a series mm-hmm. on David Wright. Uh, kind of a forgotten guy. Um, you know, look, Terry Collins, I think, said at the winter meetings he expects him to play 130 games. Anybody mm-hmm. with an ounce of medical knowledge feels that that's laughable. 
Um, right. Everybody's rooting for David Wright. Uh, the problem is this, is that you saw a difference defensively with the players that replaced him. Even Reyes, I thought, was far better defensive than what Wright was able to give you the last couple of years. Uh, he's a different offensive player. Maybe it's more of a seven-hitter now. Um, and you don't know what you're going to get. Can he hit good pitching? You know, he could pit, hit still, but with his bat speed, with his neck and his back, can he hit good pitching? So as much as you're, you know, the fans and even the media wants roots for this guy, let's be realistic. Even after you met with him with that extensive, that great interview, how do you feel? I mean, if you were a betting man, what are you betting on Wright's contribution to this team uh, in 2017? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I, I did spend some time with him, and as you can tell, you know, with where's current thing, I'm always moving somewhere. As you can tell, the beeping here, I'm on my way in a car. So, so I'm always <laughs> on the move. From what my feeling with David Wright, I, I came out of that, I came out of that, Mike, feeling better about David Wright than I did going into that. Here's what. Here's why. He looked. He looked more athletic. He was moving. His neck was moving. You know, well. He said. He said he's been hitting since Christmas. He's had no issues with the hitting. He hasn't thrown yet. That's a big if. But you know that was a. Uh, that's a major problem for him. Uh, you know, throwing last year was really bad. And uh, and the other thing that I don't again because I'm driving, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But in the limited amount at bats he got last year. He 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 had like 55 strikeouts, and that that's dreadful for David Wright. He admits that you know that's dreadful, and he he does not want to have that kind of uh, production again, and and that's what he's working towards. So I think I think you'd be crazy to think, really crazy to count anything, but at the same time, he does he he he's ahead of last year at this point because because you know the neck was going to blow, uh, the herniated disc, and then it was uh, one issue after another. He also finally, right, finally, it's taking years, but he finally admits that he's got to get on a plan where if he sees any issues, to shut it down immediately, which he did not do last year, and he specifically pointed to a game against the Nationals with uh, Scherzer on the mound. There was a big game, so he was all excited, and he went through his workout team when he should have shut it down, and that set him back. So we're looking at a little bit more intelligence, David Wright, with his health. We're looking at the fact that neck has been fixed, and I've had friends that have had that surgery come back from it, so it's not an impossible surgery to come back from. Uh, the question is, will uh, you know? And I can't. He can't tell you what he's going to do. I certainly can't tell you what he's going to do. But I do think there's a shot here, and, and the Mets, as you say, are, are much more uh, positioned well with having uh, Jose Reyes there, you know, and some other issue, uh, some other situations, uh, you know, where maybe they can pull guys over to get those at-bats. So it's really that simple. And uh, it, it's going to be – this is the comeback to spring training. Everybody's coming back with the Mets. And, that, and that's what we're going to be down there watching. Uh, you know, and it's going to start very soon. I mean, some of these guys are already on the field already starting their, uh, starting their workouts. And uh, it's going to be – most spring trainings are pretty boring, right? But this one's going to be interesting because mainly you have to check off every day, and that's what writers do. They go out to the workouts. They look who's there, who's there. You got to make sure these guys are actually doing what they say they're doing, and not just listening to the club. You got to really do some research, and that's the whole reason why I went down there visited, visited, and I, I made the joke like I'm trying, uh, I'm making sports writing great again by actually going down and talking to players <laughs> instead of uh, just listening to their tweet or uh, you know listening to something that the uh, management is going out. I'm actually just you know, that's always just make my sure MO no one's protesting. Just make sure. Uh, you know, I always have to, you know, that's that. part of being a sports writer. People are always protesting. <laughs> You're always going to find a, a side that's against you. And uh, certainly Donald Trump is working that angle right now. 
And, uh, I, you know, I, I will have people, but if you give them the right information, I think you got a better shot. And by me seeing David Wright, and then also, the, we didn't mention it, but having the, the daughter, uh, Olivia Shea, uh, you know, that's kind of changed his outlook, too, because he's so driven. I'll tell you one little story that puts it in perspective. And I didn't put this in the story, but when I first, this was a trip I made like 12, 13 years ago when David was just started because I wanted to get to know him. And I remember him telling me a story that he was so devoted to the game, him and his buddies, and that's the Tidewater region where it's a great baseball region. They're so devoted to the game that they would spend, you know, at the end of the day, they would, whenever we were all 17 driving, 16, 17, whatever their driving ages are, um, they would line up their cars on the field or, or by the field and shine the headlights, turn the headlights on the high beams just to get more light on the field that didn't have any, any lighting to stay out there that extra hour. And I, I think that's where David is really in his career right now. He's He's got the car lined up. He's staying out there that extra hour, and we'll see if, if it all holds up. Yeah, he used to – one of the things when he was, if I remember correctly, when he was through the minors, he worked so much that he actually had to – Back him off a little bit because they were they were afraid he was going to uh, burn himself out. Do you, do you do you think Kevin? And I know this is total speculation. If the throwing isn't quite there, if he can't play every day, last year the problem was if he couldn't play the game, he was basically a dead spot on the roster because he couldn't come in. Can he get a first baseman's mitt and maybe spot there? Can he be a pinch hitter? What do you think they could do if he can't play every day, but he has some value? I mean, it's. It's a question mark because if he if if he can't be a backup, then this is a real problem, financial problem for the Mets. And what do you do with this guy? Problem. Well, the, the financial hand, would, I'm sure, is some type of insurance, and that would work its way out. But uh, yeah, it's that's why I think he's talking about third base and a third base or bust right now. You know, um, um, I wouldn't fool around with first base because you know, again, just knowing first base, first base is a lot harder than people say, and there's a lot more. You know, a lot, obviously, a lot of stretching, angling, um, could be collisions. Uh, the base is not easier. The first base is much more difficult, and you're not going to throw a guy with a bad back who uh, just, you're not going to throw him at first right now, unless that's a, you know, maybe he has time to work at it very, very much. And again, he may try it, but at the same time, all it takes, and you're talking to somebody who had lumbar laminectomy in 1987, so I know about that. Uh, all it takes is the one wrong turn. One long twist, and you're back to zero. So uh, that's why I think it's got to be, you know, hopefully he can throw a little better. To me, that was the biggest concern when I watched him as a fielder. It wasn't the diving and, and the jamming the back. It was the fact that he had to, he had to drop down and almost like uh, make a, like a softball throw. Uh, underhand, uh, you know, Robbie Cano's throw from second base type throw across the diamond, and everybody knew that, and they were taking advantage of it. And it's a new game now, so that's and again, it's going to be fascinating watching David Wright spring training this year because he told me he's got to get a lot of third base. And he also said, you know, bus, bus rides are tough on me. So you'll see him working more at home. I think he's probably uh, playing in some minor league games and things like that. And uh, and it's, it's it's going to be fascinating to see where it goes. But at least at least they have a shot. They have a shot going into swing training with David Wright, and we'll see where it goes. So uh, before I let you go, what do you got coming up? Obviously, you're going to be in uh, Port St. Lucie. I know that you caught up with Clint Frazier for those, uh, you know, mm. predominantly Mets audience here. But obviously, that's a baseball story regardless. What else that you got that you could tease over the next couple of weeks for the, the listeners to know about, uh, you know, Mets-wise and Kevin Kernan-wise? Yeah, basically, I'm going to, I'm going, into full, uh, going into full spring training mode starting this week. going to have stories almost every day. It depends where, where I go, but I want to uh, – 
I want to make sure the New York uh, people are covered. Uh, the Yankees could be Mets, could be anything. And uh, my spring training is basically starting uh, tomorrow, uh, Monday. Can't complain with that. We'll hold off the protesters. Keep making uh, sports writing great again. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your your Sunday. And as always, I appreciate a, a bunch of time, and I know the listeners do too, hearing you uh, here on the podcast. That's great, Mike. And, of course, I'll be down here for like a month or two. So uh, call me anytime, and we'll catch up because it'll be a lot of interesting angles. For sure. All right, Kevin. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Take care, my friend. Bye-bye. And that's Kevin Kernan. At Where's Kernan on Twitter. A bunch of little interesting nuggets out of that segment, and I think that, that we could definitely uh, cross Sergio Romo. If you're anyone intelligent, forget the numbers. If you hear what Kevin said about Sergio Romo, we could certainly cross him off the list of uh, pitchers that perhaps uh, the Mets should go after. Although from a statistical standpoint, like I said earlier in the uh, the program in the intro, he probably profiles better than both Blevins and Joe Smith, but you got to know what kind of play you're bringing in. And I think one of the things hearing that, if you remember, one of the problems with Frankie Francisco specifically was he just wasn't a great guy. He was a very bad influence. I know that for a fact, talking to some people on that team, a very bad influence on the locker room, uh, the younger players as well. And, and it was a great thing that they got him out of there. And uh, I don't think he really worked to push himself when he was here either to get healthy and get back on the field. That that I can tell you I know for a fact. So. Uh, that's my two cents on on that. But a lot of interesting nuggets about David Wright, Jay Bruce. Uh, sounds like I said earlier that Jerry Blevins and the Mets might be coming closer. We'll keep an eye on that as the week uh, goes on. But quick programming note. Again, as I said earlier, uh, no program in next uh, weekend, Super Bowl Sunday. So enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll be back and certainly in full spring training mode when uh, we return the week of, uh, I guess it's February 13th, uh, Valentine's pre-Valentine's weekend. And we'll uh, we'll try to have some uh, some fun segments there, and uh, and then we'll be uh, you know grapefruit league action. That's what it is. It's going to be the Talking Mets grapefruit league edition from about February 13th to the end of March, and then we're back in the grind. It's pretty amazing. It seems like yesterday that uh, Connor Gillespie's ball cleared the fence. The Mets were then shut down by Madison Bumgarner, and the offseason began. The Cespedes Derby and what have you, and it, it just goes so fast. It just the holidays come, they go, and then. Really, the Super Bowl is that demarcation line when you say, okay, football's over. If you're an NBA or college basketball fan, you certainly have that to keep you through the spring. And if you're, unfortunately for a Knicks fans, probably not into the, the early summer or uh, just before summer. But um, if you're an NBA fan of another team, you might have some action into June. But then at that point, you're pretty much you're in New York all, all baseball all the time. So it'll be fun. I want to thank Kevin Kernan for joining us, of course. At Where's Kernan is his handle on Twitter. Check him out. America's most beloved uh, sports writer. You can check me out on Twitter at Mike Silva Media. Check out the show all the time at MetsmarsOnline.com. You can check me out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Enjoy the Super Bowl. See you in two weeks. Take care and be safe.